What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I'm joined here with Hayden Cheryl. Hey, guys. And former LSU basketball player and current Texas legend, Keith Hornsby. How's it going, Keith? Doing just fine, man. Doing just fine. So you recently um, ended the season. Was it a week ago, about? Yeah, yeah, a little bit more, but, you know, pretty much, yeah. And you actually led the G League in three-point field goal percentage. So that's that's kind of crazy. Tell me what that was like, just being able to knock down threes at that rate. <laughs> well, first of all, you know, now as far as NBA and G League, et cetera, goes, you know, it's a, a three-pointer, as you probably well know, is pretty glorified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing that, you know, I, I, this is my third year uh, playing in the G League, you know, and it's, it's it seems like now more than ever the league has gotten even better since I've been in. But, you know, uh I, when I first came out, I was a good shooter in college, but the NBA three took me a little while to get used to. Like my first, my first year, I shot like thirty four percent. The next year, I shot thirty seven, and then this year is you know forty nine. An incredible leap for sure. You know, and mm-hmm. honestly, you know, it's pretty self explanatory how you get there. I mean, it's just you just gotta you know shoot as much as possible with the repetition, et cetera. For sure. Really, that's, a, that's just what it is, other than that. But then at the same time, it's different making them in games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biggest difference for me this year was uh, in practice, if you saw me or just shooting through a workout the years before, I could probably make about the same amount. But this year, I just did it when it mattered more in games and also got my mechanics to the point of uh, where I can really shoot the NBA 3 in a comfortable way. Um, I don't know if you saw my shot in college. It's pretty pretty janky right yeah yeah and were the trainers <laughs> uh, trying to switch that up for you well you know the thing is i shot 41 percent from three my senior year at, right in, in college and a little bit my junior year is when it was really really like what the heck you know? <laughs> <laughs> see it, uh, but i was making them so nobody would ever change it it's just, right you know, not the most pleasant thing to look at so <laughs> i there's no way i was going to be able to shoot the nba three consistently with all that extra energy going into my motion right. my form etc uh so i ha- i had really had no choice and so right now if you see any videos of it that's you know it's it's as ironed out as it can be at this point <laughs> and it's pretty good so i'm no way i could have done that with my old form and 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 you were talking about the way the the league has evolved in a way to towards this three-point shooting and is that something that you've you've done intentionally in workouts, uh, focusing more on that, or is that just kind of like how your game has always been, and you just just work to iron it out for the for the NBA three? Well, I'm not put it this way. Look, I'm a six foot three. List me six four. I'm a six foot three white <laughs> white white, uh, white guard. You know. Yeah, we know I, what we're getting. I, yeah. If I have a chance, if I if I want any chance at playing in the NBA, I'm going to need to make shots, and especially the three, the open three, and you know, it, so that's just number one. For sure. So if I, yeah, so that's for sure as a focus, you know, you always want that to be as uh, as comfortable as it can. Plus, you know, a lot of teams these days, lucky Dallas isn't necessarily one of them, you know, like the Rockets and say the, the 76ers, mm-hmm. they don't even believe as much in mid-range shots. Right. You know, like their, their G League teams, they either shoot a three or a layup pretty much. So, uh, you know, my game, I do shoot, you know, obviously threes are a strong point, but my mid-range game, I'm pretty versatile still. Mm-hmm. So growing up as a kid, 
Uh, what what really got you into basketball at the beginning, and what was one of your idols? Maybe someone that you tried to model your game after. Well, honestly, my dad's a musician, so he's right. a piano player. So he, you know, a lot of people ask why not get into music, but the thing is that he's, you know, if if he didn't, if he wasn't a musician, he'd be involved with basketball. He's a big time basketball guy, and he kind of put a ball in my hand early, and I just kind of had a natural feel with the shooting. Like I think from what history says, I hit like 35 little bank shots in a row at two. <laughs> two. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm a little hoop outside. So I was, and since I always had a little gift for it, it's just always what I, what I uh, was doing, but I didn't really, really get into it until I was in, honestly, in about high school. Uh, like I didn't start taking it truly seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's when, you know, J.J. Redick was an idol of mine, He's and he still is. Yeah, um, for sure. Him at Duke. And, and, you know, now, you know, he is now. Like, the way he, you know, has kind of adapted to make himself as uh, valuable as he still is in the NBA, the way he moves without the ball, the way he can make tough, contested shots and and defend bigger guys, you know, he's, he's still an idol of mine. But him at Duke, that's why I wear number four. Um, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, he's... And don't get me wrong, I also like Steve Nash. He's a, I loved him. Who doesn't? And I also love, <laughs> exactly. I also love Derek Rose, though, and I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him when he's kind of his MVP time at the Bulls, and, and I still do like him. So, so you, you touched on a second there about how your dad's a musician. Um, growing up, what was that like? Uh, just trying to mix basketball with having a dad who's, you know, I mean, he's, I'm sure he's busy with music. And also, is it hard yeah. now uh, when people Google your name, the, the first thing they see <laughs> is son of a musician? Is that is that hard for you? I think that's harder on him more than oh. it is me. Uh, he, you know, because he, he always wants me to be, you know, a separate identity kind of. But I'm, I know better than to believe that. It's never going to happen, no matter what I do. I could be an NBA all-star, but I feel like, the fact that you don't have many musician musicians kids that are you know pro basketball players it's, it's not a usual story right. so it's mm-hmm. something interesting for any announcer or writer to talk about uh but yeah growing up i mean honestly being his his son and it allowed me to see some amazing you know basketball experiences you know when i was younger but yeah. it didn't really do me any favors growing up because you know if i if I did, you know, if I got any good opportunities, some people would think, oh, it's because his dad is, you know, famous, you know, guy. They just, they just did it. He, he, he helped them in that door, kind of, um, which uh, doesn't really make sense, but it's kind of some of what I got a little bit. So you mentioned that you really didn't get into basketball until high school, and you actually transferred halfway through from Hampton Roads to Oak Hill, which is a, I mean, a pretty prestigious yeah. school. Um, can you kind of walk us through why? You decided to go in that direction, mm-hmm. and how it benefited you as a player. Well, my my sophomore, the Hampton Rose is it's in a solid, you know, Virginia private school conference. But right. uh, and I was I was a good that's my sophomore year. I was all conference, and I was actually being recruited by UNC Asheville. They were the first school to offer me as a sophomore, which is a pretty big deal to me back then. And um, their well, their, their main assistant who's recruiting me played at Oak Hill, and I had gone to the Oak Hill camps basketball camps when I was little. Okay. Um, so I was well aware of, you know, how prestigious the program was. Um, so my dad had an idea of, you know, kind of upping the, 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 
I guess the upping the ante of my the rest of my basketball career mm-hmm. of going to like a prep school like a up north you know they have, they have all those New Hampton Notre Dame prep South Kent all those mm-hmm. uh, and so those are kind of more what we were looking for but uh, I was good enough at that point to get a tryout with Oak Hill okay. which they had um, each spring. Um, and I went up there, not really, you know, hoping to do well, but not really expecting, especially as a, as a, you know, rising junior, um, to play there. But you know, at the tryout, I just had one of those days where you just can't miss. You know, I just played. Great. <laughs> That's awesome. I played just phenomenal, and, and uh, honestly, probably a little bit better than I normally was. really was at the time. But yeah, Coach Smith, you know, Steve Smith said afterwards, and probably one of the most unforgettable days of my life. You know, hey, I want you to play play for me for your junior and senior year for two years and i mean after he said that there's, there's nothing else we need to talk about that's that was right that. i mean that's an opportunity many would kill for and mm-hmm. and uh yeah so that was one of the best it's about five hours from my home in Williamsburg, um and it was the best drive back <laughs> i'm <laughs> sure did like, your dad drive I, you back I, he did and yeah he you know, he, when we were walking out to our car, he said to me, this, our famous line, like, do we scream now or later? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's cute. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was just thrilled and proud. and um, For sure. So, yeah, that was a, that was a big moment. Um, I'm going to tell you this right now, Keith. You, I'm sure you've done a lot of interviews. You're making this really easy on us, transition-wise, because we have mapped out right here. Um, so you went to UNC Asheville, um, as you just <laughs> you mentioned. It. Thank you. Um, was that the only school you got offers from, or you offered elsewhere? I, I mean, I understand that they were your first offer. Yeah, uh, well, I was a late, really, I was a late bloomer. Even after I got to Oak Hill, you know, I, if you saw me on the court, you, <laughs> you know, I got a lot of crap from, uh, you know, while playing at Oak Hill from fans, you know, <laughs> the way I looked. Like, I just looked like a joke. <laughs> I, was a, I was a late, late bloomer. I had this one little tattoo that, you know, try to, you know, I, I desperately got to make me look hard, you know. <laughs> but, but, uh, so I wasn't really recruited, um, by many D1s. And, and I actually committed to UNC Asheville after my junior year, um, at Oak Hill, where I, I played some, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just as kind of a safe bet, cause my, you know, they, they really, really liked me. You know, they they brought four, their whole coaching staff to every one of my AAU games. Wow. And uh, and one of the reasons, because I played for Boo Williams, their 17 and under EYBL select team. Okay. Um, and at the start of the year, I wasn't playing at all for them. So, you know, it's like, well, if it, if it is going to be the whole summer, I, there's no way I'm going to be recruited by anybody else. Right. And so, yeah, UNC Asheville, I got recruited by other schools like that. Davidson um, okay. was still in the SOCON back then. Furman. Uh, but, and, they, and there leaves a problem with Oak Hill that I faced, is that the only schools coming to check out the guys that I played with are like Duke, right, you know, mm-hmm, Carolina, right. Tennessee, mm-hmm. high majors that I just wasn't on that level. Um, so there weren't any, I wasn't really being seen by many. Uh, right schools to my liking back then so that's that's what led me to go to unc Asheville. so then after uh two seasons at unc Asheville, you uh you did the same thing you did in high school and you transferred so a slightly i mean a a more prestigious school in lsu uh what was what was that kind of like deciding to transfer and were there other schools that were interested now by this point i was i've kind of grown up you know i've finally become 
look kind of like a man, you know. So <laughs> I had a good a good sophomore year, um, really good at UNC Asheville. I like averaged like 15 points a game and and had some of my best games against uh, high majors. Like I had 26 against Ohio State, 23 against NC State, and uh, I never intended to transfer at all. Um, okay, but my head coach. Eddie Biedenbach, who's now retired, he uh, he resigned, and um, I just thought that maybe you know the thought of a uh, and this is a few years ago now where the transfers are becoming popular, but not like it is now. Where right. Everybody transfers, mm-hmm. you know, so especially not low to to high. Um, so you know, there's I thought maybe you know this is every guy's dream of playing at a bigger level, and you know, of course, you run the risk. Of uh, I've seen lots of stories before of a guy give up a great situation where he could be the man and play all the time, go up and sit at a high major school where they you know get McDonald's All Americans every year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a a risk I was kind of willing to take. And Asheville is a great place. You can see Asheville is a I love love the place, but it's just sports wise, it's, it's kind of like a hippie school. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place, but they just don't care. It's not a big you know don't really care about sports that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It it seemed as a fan base. I mean. Um. So yeah, I got recruited by, you know, the most random schools at that point. When when I, and it was the hardest decision to leave too. I had such great friends there. Right. My teammates, they're shocked, and it was it was a it was a weird time. But yeah, my my final four schools were LSU, NC State, actually, uh, Gonzaga, and. Um, St. Mary's in California. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Gonzaga's right by up where, where we are here. There you go, Spokane. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so you, it definitely worked out well for you, and you guys actually made it to the tournament your junior yeah. year and, at LSU and played against the team that uh, another team that was in your top yeah, four. Yeah, that, 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 that was weird. That was weird for sure. So can you kind of walk us through? Um, what that game was like playing in a um, in a tournament where you know a lot of national attention kind of is, yep. is on you, and then um, you know kind of give us a kind of give us a dramatic retelling of the game, <laughs> but don't give away the ending yet. We want to leave some suspense for our <laughs> listeners for sure. Uh, obviously, that year we were good enough. Um, well, actually, what solidified our tournament was me actually hitting. I call it my the way it is, like my dad's big hit. You know the way it is. It's like my version of that is hitting the game winner against. Uh, a ranked Arkansas at their place, right. which uh, mm-hmm. put us basically put us in the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. So I was the only one to actually tournament experience, kind of. I, we, I went at UNC Asheville my freshman year. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. We're the team that almost upset Syracuse mm-hmm. as a first one sixteen. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the tournament is just—it's obviously the best. Um, mm-hmm. We were in Pittsburgh again, the same location that I was at my freshman year. That tragic moment. <laughs> um yeah so you can see where this headed maybe um <laughs> uh, we had a good crowd there i mean it's uh it's just we weren't looking too far ahead i mean it's it's, it's a eight nine games so it's pretty equal um but yeah you know seeing some of those guys mark godfrey is the coach i knew that nc state's whole coaching staff they're all kind of kind of talking to me but also nervous about the game of course <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the first half was good. We were up 14 at halftime. Um, I was having, the, I didn't have a great game. They're doing a good job denying me. Which actually, the big matchup was a guy they had named Ralston Turner, who 
transferred from LSU to NC State. Okay. Oh, so it was like right. funny. They, they so there's a little story about that. A lot of um, drama before. Uh, yeah, there's so many oh, yeah. so, so many storylines <laughs> with this game. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, so then, and then the second half <laughs> came, and uh, I guess things didn't quite go. You know, we're starting to unravel. We gave up the lead, and um, in order to lose that game, jo- you know, Jordan Mickey, one of my teammates, was a draft pick, missed four free throws in a row. My other friend Tim Corman, also our point guard, also played in the league, missed two in a row. Mm-hmm. Jordan Mickey uh, missed a layup he'd normally dunk, and of course it's tough on him. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. And then the guy BJ Anya, who averaged like three points a game, made a little <laughs> re-tipping game winner. That's and, how you that's know, how it always goes. Of course, <laughs> it, it was almost at that point. It was so unbelievably bad. I was kind of laughed on my way in. I'm like, this is just unreal. <laughs> Like this, this is so unbelievably terrible of a you know collapse. It's just it's like it was like a curse, you know. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, we we're one and done. So so that's a rough story. Uh, I'm sure for you to tell a little bit of a little bit of experience reliving there. Um, so we'll at least try we to, got there. <laughs> we'll try to move it to the upside. <laughs> At LSU, you played with Ben Simmons, right? That is right. And so, uh, what was that like playing with with a player that would be s- such a high? Uh, a lot of eyes on him in terms of NBA uh, scouts and everything. What was that like, and and what is it like with your relationship with him as a person? Um, so I know Ben more than almost everyone, and I've lived with him that year too. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And we're we're I hosted him on his visits. Uh, so we're we were close, and we're still. I saw him last week when he actually came to Dallas. Um, but that year was just crazy. It was just it was too much. Um, too much media all around. Too much. Uh, you know, light on him, spotlight on him. And, you know, he, he had great people around him to advise him how to deal with it. But really he's just a kid who just wanted to experience, you know, college and, you know, have fun, win if we could, you know, and, For sure. and just to get better. Uh, and there's just a lot of adversity that happened that year. It was a tough year for me as a senior. I only played 20 games. I was kind of hurt. Um, still had a, a, a good year somehow. Um, but, you know, we had a lot of great other talent, too. Um, and it was they kind of struggled uh, trying to share the spotlight mm-hmm. with Ben. You know, it's like somebody could score 30 points and be the, the leader, you know, the main player of the game. But then all the houses just focus on what Ben did. And some guys, is, you know, at that point of their lives just didn't like it, you know, because we, uh, we had an unusual group. Um, but Ben, you know... I, I like Ben, you know, he's now he's just a superstar, mm-hmm. um, but he's just a kid from Australia, just likes to have fun, joke around, and but it was wild seeing all the attention he got, and he did a pretty good job of dealing with it. Uh, did you guys ever talk about potentially, like, making it to the NBA, and was it ever, like, come up in the conversations, uh, being able to accomplish what he's done? I mean, obviously, making the All-Star team this year. Um, yeah. You know, kind of revolutionizing the point guard. You know, some are saying the next reemergence of Magic Johnson, uh, which is some pretty yeah. high praise. Did you guys ever have those kind of conversations? Well, a lot of it was kind of just implied. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people were already comparing him to the next LeBron when yeah. he was there. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, pretty much the number one, him or Brandon Ingram, the number one pick that right. year, all projected all year. So, uh, he didn't really like to talk about it, honestly. You know, he just wanted to talk about, like, video games and, you know, South Park and <laughs> <laughs> just other interests he 
he had uh, you know girls stuff that you of know, course yeah obviously. of course I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a college he's a college yeah. guy what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah and, and at LSU there's no shortage of that <laughs> uh, uh, yeah um, I guess we, we didn't really touch on that I mean it's it's almost like it was his destiny <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for him to I mean who could have predicted it would have been this soon right? yeah. you never you never know especially after his first year of uh, of injury so yeah most of the time but when he's when he's around me now uh, and as far as I go I was never projected as an NBA prospect right. at all you know my upside was nobody's taking me to play high major much less right you know NBA or G League so it's uh mm-hmm. It, it it wasn't really it, we we didn't have much of a connection or relatable situation there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you definitely played well your senior year at LSU, averaging about thirteen points. Uh, yeah, despite you know missing a lot of games to injury. Yeah, and then you actually missed um, you you were out four games before the SEC tournament, and you guys eventually missed out huh. on March Madness. So what yeah. what what was that like? being so close especially having all that attention and then coming up short i mean you could just see it on the horizon you know throughout the after i got injured not saying it's solely on me but i was a big aspect of the team mm-hmm. of course um on and off the court you know uh we just collapsed at the end and collapsed at the beginning when i was also injured i missed the first month you know we had some bad losses mm-hmm. uh so we didn't have much room for error if we were supposed to make the tournament even though we finished tied for third in the sec yeah you know it, it was just kind of sad i mean you know the lsu fan base is just crushing you know the whole the whole year crushing their coach johnny johnny jones um mm-hmm. and it was, it was just kind of like the whole last month was a little bit of that you know the, the crowds at the pmac or arena started getting smaller when you know realizes kind of a tank team at this point um, <laughs> Man. and uh you know, so it's kind of like almost best to put it to rest. And we declined an NIT invite. Um, ben, Ben left probably four days after that to start training. You know, it's it's probably for the best, I think. So, so we've kind of walked through your whole career here, um, up up until <laughs> you know through college, and yeah. then going on going online trying to trying to sort out this process that got you into the G League. Um, I, I I had trouble understanding yeah, so you so you sign with the Mavs which is which is my favorite team uh you know being from Dallas yeah. um mm-hmm. so so congratulations on that you signed to their preseason roster you played in Orlando right yeah, I played in Orlando the next year the next year and then they waived yeah. you could could you could you kind of explain that for for yeah. me and for our listeners my injury was it was a bad injury uh that I suffered at, at the season ending one mm-hmm. um there's a groin tearing of the groin tendon and it sounds painful and it, it, yeah, it was pretty sure, bad man. but yeah that was a good i had some setbacks trying to come back and compete for you know nba you know workouts during before summer league and then summer league itself that year so i was honestly lucky i was just glad to get the uh the Mavs training game deal that was like a big big thing for definitely me. Um, yeah now I, I didn't really have a shot at making a team the the, the final roster uh-huh Nonetheless, it's always implied that, at least to to me, that I was going to be with the legends that year. Um, but you know, the training camp was just the, almost a dream come true. You know, in a locker room with Dirk, um, uh, guys of Darren Williams at that point, uh, you know, Harrison Barnes, guys I've just watched. You know, true NBA players. Mm-hmm. And being going to work with them every day was something I'll never forget. And, and had some good moments. They 
Justin Tan in a preseason scored 16 points that preseason on an NBA floor. So that's, you know, it is preseason, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, uh, of course. You know, it was inevitable that they're going to cut uh, about four or five of us. And, uh, but then the Mavs did chose not to keep me as an affiliate player, which meant automatic, uh, you know, sending to the legends pretty much. Yeah. Which it kind of freaked me out because I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Um, and, you know, my agent uh, really arranged. I want to stay there in Dallas, even though on paper it turned out to be not a good playing situation for me uh, if I were to stay. Because, um, and that's when the G League really, I really found out what it was about that year. But I ended up, they ended up drafting me like in the first, their first pick in the G League draft uh-huh. to stay there. Um, and, uh, so that I was there and the head coach was around on training camp and liked the idea of having me and, but yeah, so then, and then, uh, I <coughs> was when that first year came about and boy, did I find out how crazy it is. So, so really quick before we dive into, into what it's been like in the G league, uh, you talked about some of the, some of the guys that you played with, um, when you were up with the NBA roster, um, yeah. you know, Darren Williams, Dirk, Harrison Barnes. Um, is there any anything that you learned from those guys? Some some wise words or tips that they gave you that you've that you've carried on. The biggest thing that sticks out to me throughout the years, I guess, is the fact that it, they these guys really do treat it as a job. Even in, before training camp, even when a time where they theory could take a break, in a sense. But you know, like guys like Devin Harris and Darren Williams were there at seven a.m. every day. You know, I'd feel bad. I thought I worked hard honestly and i'd get it i'd walk in and they'd already be like in a sweat going through a workout and they'd stay getting treatment and working out till you know much later than they had to right so everybody sees these you know the salaries that they receive and you know it's it it's not easy like these guys i I really did notice that man these guys really this is a job for them you know and they they put the time in for sure and that's why they're that good right Um, and stay and able to stay, you know, in the league, especially Devin Harris, and he's still playing. Yeah, you know, my first time playing pickup and or playing live action since I got hurt was I had to guard Harrison Barnes. Oh and, man, I mean, it was, <laughs> I was definitely in over my head at that point. I was just fouling and hacking, <laughs> desperately trying to, you know, not not be embarrassed. But mm-hmm, uh, yeah, but the best parts were when I I did well, and I for sure it was very mo- motivational. So over the past three years, you you spent with the Texas Legends, and from a statistical standpoint, you've seen improvement every single year. Uh, what is it? What does the rest of your career look like for you? Like, what goals are you trying to achieve? What things are you trying to uh, get done for you to say, you know what, I'm happy with my career. You know, I I never envisioned myself playing pro that long. Um, I never thought I had a body for it. Really, mm-hmm. um, kind of a tightly wound you know, unlimber white dude, not to say white has anything necessarily to do with yeah. it, but it's just, uh, uh, that's just what was my thoughts. Uh, but, um, you know, as far as the G league goes, man, it's so much about the situation that you're in. Um, and the organization, you know, I, I, I averaged like four points a game my first year and played, you know, sparingly. And, but talent wise, if I was in a situation where I could play 30 minutes a game, I would have done, you know, I could have done just fine, I think. Um, now, of course, I did improve, which earned me, you know, more time right. mm-hmm. the following years. But I didn't, didn't want to play in the G League this, this past year. I want to go overseas. And, uh, 
we didn't end up getting a very good opportunity for the year started and that would have been good for me and my wife i'm actually married now uh, oh, okay but this year I, I did it's almost like i've i've shown what i can do and now it's almost like start to start to make some money mm-hmm. you know so now i think i have a resume where i'd be able to do so and that's that's the hope so so is that what you're looking at now is more more going europe or or, or you know barring getting signed by an nba team i've just seen how crazy it is you know and in the in the G League, you know, you just never know. It, it You could get a call up almost instantly if you're in the right situ- situation. Or mm-hmm. you have guys that have much even better resumes than I, I did this year that just would ne- never got a shot. It's a kind of a crapshoot, honestly. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, bottom line, you got to play well. You know, as far as the NBA goes, I'll, they'll always look at me and doubt me from the start just because I don't necessarily pass their look test. You know, I'm not – Yeah ideal size um kind of an undersized shooting guard i i don't have long arms and you know big hands and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's tough that's just how how it goes um but you, you never know i i can't count out the g leagues is getting better and better you know better for the players yeah. better money um there's a lot that is really good about it so you you talked about how you're how you're recently married there's all these these stories you know in baseball about how tough it is in the minors um, on, oh, on on your family and everything. How's that been in the G League? My only baseball is more. It's terrible. <laughs> more extreme. It's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, for sure. I did, I had no idea the one forty five games in like seven days off or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it, but as far as this goes, it's it's really not bad. It's not bad at all. First of all, you're just in, you're in the states. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that that helps out out a lot anyway with the uh, communication and all. But as far as you know, me and my wife, the G League, it, it isn't bad. It, it really isn't. Like, they supply, um, you know, with the place to live. Um, okay. You get health coverage for a family if, if you have one. And I guess the only thing that the best part about it is that you're, you have always have access to uh, to your loved one, shall I say. And Whereas if you go overseas and, let's say, move with you full time, it's just a complete separation. That's just mm-hmm. hard mentally anyways. So... Yeah, I mean, there's travel, but it's not too bad. The most it's week long trips, but you know, they they know you're coming back, so it's yeah. all good. <laughs> so before we wrap up here, um, in the last week, uh, as the NBA season came to a close, Dirk retired. Yep. Can, you want to talk about your relationship with with Dirk and 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 <laughs> kind right. of what he means to you? I I, I love Dirk, man. He's just he's a truly good person. It's a likable guy. Some of the guys when I was in training camp, you know, they, they saw him as kind of a camp body. You know, mm-hmm. like I no real reason to get to know him. He's not going to be with us for that long. But, of course. you know, D- Dirk, was, Dirk was really cool. Just has a fun personality. And his he, he'd always say to me, he always called, his nickname for me was Upper Body. Because <laughs> he thought I was, like, really jack. Kinda. And he's like, like, you don't need to do any more bicep curls. <laughs> Focus on no more arms. All core. Well, Dirk doesn't have the arms, so. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. He, he is seven foot, so he, mm-hmm. he he's strong, though. Oh, yeah. Stronger than his flab arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but, yeah, Dirk's seeing him retire, obviously, that's probably the best thing, but. He can yeah. still shoot, and he's he can he'll probably never lose that. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being on here. It's been great sitting down to talk with you about your your basketball career, and uh, we wish you the best of luck moving forward. 
and we'll we'll always sure. we'll, be, we'll be rooting for you. Keep, big keep time. shooting them. Yeah. Keep shooting them, white dude. Yeah, no doubt. About <laughs> yeah, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, and just a reminder: there are t-shirts still out. There are stickers, and you can. Check all that out on our website, notgonnalipod.com. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.